28th Sunday in Ordinary Time Prayer Psalm 40 I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit, out of the merry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. Reading the Word First reading Jeremiah chapter 38 Then the officials say to the king, This man ought to be put to death because he is discouraging the soldiers who are left in this city and all the people by speaking such words to them. For this man is not seeking the welfare of these people, but their harm. King Zedekiah said, Here he is. He is in your hands, for the king is powerless against you. So they took Jeremiah and threw him into the system of Malachiah, the king's son, which was in the court of the garden, letting Jeremiah down by ropes. Now there was no water in the system but only mud. And Jeremiah sank in the mud. So Ebed Malek left the king's house and spoke to the king. My lord king, these men have acted wickedly in all they did to the prophet Jeremiah by throwing him into the system to die there of hunger. For there is no bread left in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed Melech, the Ethiopian, Take three men with you from here, and pull prophet Jeremiah up from the cistern before he dies. Second reading Hebrews chapter 12 Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of joy that was set before him endured the cross disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners, so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. In your struggle against sin, 
you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Gospel Luke chapter 12 I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized. And what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have to come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided. Three against two. Two against three. They will be divided. Father against son. And son against father. Mother against daughter. And daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law. And daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Hearing the word, salvific divisions. Today's readings present three examples of deep divisions caused by the presence of God's representative in a society. But far from being destructive, these divisions ultimately served a salvific purpose. The events described in the first reading took place in the tragic and chaotic days of the last king of Judah. The Decaia. Judah was under the authority of the Babylonian Empire, with Zedekiah entrusted with ruling the country on behalf of his masters in Babylon. The situation displeased many Israelites. Various political groups emerged putting pressure on the king to rebel against Babylon and seek independence. These people believed that God did not want his beloved city and the temple to be ruled by the hated foreigner and would always protect it from destruction. Jeremiah opposed such views. He was keenly aware that Zedekiah, the Israelite leadership, and the majority of the people were not holding on to God's covenant by obeying its laws. The prophet was only keenly aware that Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, would mercilessly and cruelly punish all who opposed his authority. These victors combined would inevitably lead to the destruction of Jerusalem. Sadly, the prophet was right. The pro-war and pro-independence party prevailed upon the weak king persuading him to begin the rebellion. In response, the Babylonian army quickly surrounded Jerusalem, starved the city, and after a two-year siege, utterly destroyed it. During the siege, Jeremiah was in the city, advocating immediate surrender and submission to Nebuchadnezzar as the only way to save Jerusalem and the temple from destruction. He prophesied that everyone who continued the fight against the Babylonians 
would ultimately die in the city, and the city itself will be destroyed. Jeremiah chapter 37 This message was seen as treachery and betrayal by the officials who wanted to continue the hopeless fight, believing in God's help. Thus, the leaders of the rebellion moved to get rid of the tiresome prophet by throwing him into an empty underground water tank, a cistern, where he would eventually die of starvation. With the agreement of the king, those Israelite leaders sought to silence the voice of God in their midst and follow their own plans. But God's voice would not be silenced. Jeremiah was saved by another of the king's officials, who was, ironically, a foreigner, a bad melech, an Ethiopian recognizing Jeremiah as a true prophet of God, persuaded the king to free Isaiah, saving him from Satan's death. Jeremiah advocated surrender because he knew that God would not protect the city and the people who had abandoned God and did not live by God's covenant. He knew that the nation needed a deep religious and moral restoration before any dream of political independence could be pursued. Jeremiah's message was deeply divisive because he spoke an unpopular truth which his opponents saw as betrayal of the nation and of God. Ironically, it was God's voice showing them the way to survive the Babylonian aggression, which their own misguided beliefs and practices had brought upon the nation. The division Jeremiah created its salvific potential. Sadly, nobody in authority listened to him. The letter to the Hebrews was written to motivate believers to adhere to Christian ways while resisting the temptation to complacency and the pressure from the opponents of this new faith. To do so, the author uses motivating examples of uncompromising adherence to faith. First, in Hebrews chapter 11, the author recalls a great number of the heroes of faith from the Old Testament who preserved in their faith while facing overwhelming challenges and even death. These ancient heroes are called a great cloud of witnesses, who, like spectators in an athletic contest, are now watching the Christians who face similar struggles. Like ancient athletes who completed naked. Christians are admonished to strip themselves of every moral depravity and sin which burden them. Thus prepared, they are called to run a race which is like a contest to preserve in the faith. The whole scene presents Christians as contestants, engaged in a great competition with the power of sin which seeks to overtake them. The second example is Jesus. 
who was engaged in a contest of his own. By embracing the cross as the means to redeem humankind and by offering the ultimate sacrifice of his own life. Jesus won a decisive victory over sin and death. However, he first had to endure the shame of public execution, enduring the hostility and humiliation inflicted upon him by his opponents. By remaining faithful and committed to his mission and purpose, Jesus prevailed in this contest. For this reason, the author of Hebrews calls him the pioneer and perfecter of the faith. He is the ultimate model and example of faith enthroned on the right hand of God, Jesus, is like a supreme athlete who had contested in the challenge of faith and had prevailed. Imitating him, Christians are asked to face hostility from sinners, courageously and with determination, even to the point of shedding their blood. Ultimately, the author calls believers to stand apart from the rest of society, which the author sees as sinful and corrupt. As morally impeccable and God-fearing, followers of Christ, Christians are to represent the values and behavior that many in their society would reject and oppose. Their distinctiveness would make their presence in society divisive. For some, it would be an example to follow. For others, it would be a sign to be opposed. In their case, their firm stand and commitment to Christian's ways would be a powerful point of reference for those who seek to live Russia's lies. The gospel passage cites the troubling words of Jesus, who spoke of himself as a bringer of fire and division, not of peace. The fire symbolizes judgment upon those who reject God by rejecting Jesus as the Messiah and God's Son. The baptism which Jesus is to undergo is his own death on the cross. Mark chapter 10. Finally, Jesus presents divides families depending on whether their members accept or reject Jesus as the Messiah. For the early Christians, the division on account of adherence to Jesus was a daily experience. Becoming a Christian often meant exclusion from the family and expulsion from a particular religious and social group. Yes, Jesus did come to bring peace to earth. However, 
his message and his presence are intrinsically divisive, a division depending on whether there is acceptance or rejection of Jesus and his message. Those who choose God will experience peace and blessing. Those who reject God will face judgment. In this sense, Jesus' presence in the world was truly divisive. Today's readings show that adherence to God often brings divisions. Jeremiah's message was divisive because of his firm opposition to armed rebellion and his advocacy for the return to God through repentance and moral reforms as the way to survival. The author of Hebrews insisted that Christians must be separated from the world by their adherence to the Christian faith and moral norms. Jesus' presence brought divisions that often run through the very heart of the family and society. Thus, the diversions caused by God's messengers and adherents had salvific potential because they called for reflection on and re-examination of life in hope that in the words of the psalmist many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Listening to the Word of God The message of today's liturgy is challenging and difficult. We are used to thinking about Christianity as a religion of peace. This is certainly true. However, it must be acknowledged that in its 2,000-year-long history, this faith has brought numerous divisions into the world. When speaking about divisions, we must carefully distinguish between the damaging divisions caused by human malice in various forms and those divisions which emerge as a result of standing up for what is right and true. Divisions which Christianity and its adherents bring into the world should always be of the second kind. A story comes to mind of a certain religious sister working with a native tribal group in a remote rural area. This particular group's land was being taken over by settlers who happened to come from the same region as the sister. They were her people. The sister would go and stay among the native people, and her presence quickly became divisive. Many of those intending to size the land branded her a traitor, and even threatened her with death. Others acknowledged their wrongs and sided with her. The settlers' community became fiercely divided. Eventually, it all ended well, and a settlement was reached. The sisters' divisive presence eventually led to peace. However, many counterexamples can also be cited. We all know of individuals and leaders in the community 
who bring division because of their selfish ambitions and vices. They divide communities by claiming allegiance of the members and then manipulating them to save their purpose. This is an example of the divisions which must be eradicated from Christian communities. Because when such divisions okay, the community is doomed to eternal destruction. Generally, all Christians are called to be a decisive presence in the world, but not by bringing conflict, but by the countercultural example of their lives. In today's world, with this lack of moral norms and guidelines, a world where everything is permissible, Christians need to demonstrate a well-focused and clear moral life in the face of laxity and dissolution. Standing up and refusing to partake in corruption, abuse of resources, manipulation, and many other practices that go against the teaching of Jesus in a way of standing up against the sin of world. This will surely create divisions around such persons as some will admire them and some will respond with ridicule and harassment. However, the divisions caused by a positive example always carry a salvific potential because of their influence that could be life-changing. Jesus did bring divisions into the world. His adherents and followers were often singled out for persecution because of their faith and life, as happens till this day. Yet the divisions Jesus brought were not based on the abuse of power, but rather on his peaceful but powerful testimony to the truth about God and the right way to live. As his disciples, we are called to oppose the society so often divided by greed and the struggle for power. This opposition takes the form of a visible example of a Christian life and values, even if those are unpopular or unfashionable. As spiritual descendants of the early Christians and inspired by the example of Jeremiah and Jesus, we must firmly stand up for our faith and moral standards even if doing so brings divisions and oppositions. Today's liturgy assures us that such divisions are ultimately salvific. Truth is only visible to those who are able to question what they have been told to believe. Action. Self-examination. When was the last time I stood up against something that was wrong or unjust? What was the occasion? Did I ever oppose someone who was acting justly and correctly because of my own will or dislike for that person? What can I do to atone for that? Response to God In my daily prayer, I will ardently request God 
for the clarity of mind to know right from wrong and truth from falsehood and to have strength to stand for this. Response to your world I will identify a piece of behavior I should challenge or oppose in my Christian community as contrary to Jesus' teaching and the Christian faith. I will take appropriate action. As a group, we will discuss in what we could imitate Jeremiah and address some of the wrongs or errors of the leadership in our community. We will decide on the best way to address these concerns in the spirit of peaceful but firm challenge. Lord God, who sent the prophets and your own son into the world to testify to the truth, lead me to a sound understanding of what is right and true so that my life and by my words I may reveal it to the world, even if I should become a sign that is opposed and a divisive presence. Give me wisdom to ensure that what I do and say ultimately brings your salvation closer to the world. Amen. <laughs> 